Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Books to Last podcast. This episode we're joined by the duo behind Bookshrine podcast, Mary and Larlig. We had a really, really, really fun and wonderful time talking about their awesome list of books and that is why this episode is going to be a little bit different um, in that there will be two parts. Uh, just because I... We just talked about so many things and so many books and we had so much fun and I really didn't want you guys to miss out on too much of it. Honestly, yeah, some some really fun, wild tangents, but uh, definitely worth it in my opinion and hopefully yours too. So yes, we're doing books one, two, three for both of um, our guests this episode and then we will do two to five in the second part, which will come out on our regular schedule, uh, plus honourable mentions. Uh, I hope you enjoy. Hello, welcome to Books Last Podcast. Um, would you like to uh, introduce yourselves to our listeners today. Hi, everybody. My name is Lalik. I am part. I'm one of the duos from Bookshrine. And I'm Mary, and I'm the other half. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm so excited to hear your guys' list this week. Um, how are you guys doing today? You been up to anything fun? Actually, no. Today was very relaxing for me. Well, that is fun. So yes, I had fun doing nothing today. <laughs> How's your day going? Uh, good. Um, very busy. I had to I work this morning, which <laughs> was not fun. But then yeah. we uh, built some wardrobes and that was slightly more fun because I was watching. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I worked as well. So I totally understand. Oh, uh, yeah. God, I get that. I yeah, I wasn't as good this week as I should have been. So I needed to do some catching up but I'm very excited to be speaking to you guys this evening um it's been something I've been looking forward to all day well during my flat pack constructing (laughs) (laughs) well I've been looking forward to it too I can't wait to talk about the books same I can't wait (laughs) honestly so um before we get into that awesome list of books is there anything you guys are reading at the moment and uh, what are you thinking about it I'm actually reading um this nonfiction book called the princess found and it's actually about a woman who is who was adopted in America and she comes to find out that she's a princess in Africa. So it's like a real life princess diary type of thing, but not really because it's more real and serious stuff that happens in it. But I'm still in the beginning of the book, so I can't really tell you much about it. <laughs> I'm, current, I'm not actually reading a book, book. I was suggested from an article of fan fiction from Warehouse 13. So that is currently what I am reading. Always, I mean, all reading is reading um, and they both sound really interesting and very different from each other. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but that's really good. I, uh, yeah, I'm still trying to finish City of Brass myself. I am so close to the end and I am really enjoying it. I just can't seem to find the time to. <laughs> I have not read that yet, but it's on my list. It's really I can't good. Wait to hear about it because I have no idea what it is. <laughs> it it's a it's a really good book. It's um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I managed to uh, get a copy uh, because I was reading in the 
ebook but I definitely wanted a physical copy once I'd sort of got halfway through because it's really good I'm looking forward to the rest of the series but yeah it's gonna be interesting like series or standalone books oh I kind of like both so I the thing is I like a standalone book and then I get to the end of it and I kind of want more from the characters and I (laughs) and I wish it was a series um but uh there are some series that I just I think are too long for me and if I have to wait for release dates and that sort of thing my um attention kind of shifts and I fall out of the world and then I I struggle to go back to it so that's me that's me struggle I struggle a lot to read series yeah I've got sorry go on (laughs) no I was gonna say it sounds like you guys need to take like a binge watching approach just wait till it's done and then (laughs) discover it Definitely. That's what I'm kind of purposely doing with a few series. So like I haven't read uh, the last hour series. So that uh, sort of chain of gold series by Cassandra Clare yet because I want to finish it. But the third book isn't out yet. So I'm going to wait till that comes out and I'm going to just read them all in one go. But I mean, that happened to me with uh, Throne of Glass and uh, The Dark Artifices by Cassandra Clare. I read all but the last book and then I had to wait a couple months or even a year for the last book and then by the time the last book came out I just I'm not interested right yeah I'd made my peace with where the (laughs) characters had been left and then I was like you know what realistically they're probably gonna have a happy ending I can accept that (laughs) I don't need to know the details I get it I understand waiting is best but if I I like to wait if it's all three or however many books there are but if it's I read a book and I have to wait a year for the next one. I I'm guaranteed to forget it. Yeah, I think I think I have a different approach just because I read more fan fiction than actual books. And I read them as the author is updating chapters. So I can it can be someone who's great updates every week a chapter or it could be someone who updates every whenever they want. So I'm used to waiting. But see, when I even when I read fan fiction, I prefer finished fan fiction. I don't like to wait. <laughs> but it's the same with TV shows. I don't like to wait. I just want to know now. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's definitely fan fiction is probably definitely a lesson in patience that I could probably do with <laughs> I haven't read fan fiction in years just because it was it was something that I never really got massively into. And weirdly, the few um, fan fictions that I did read were about. I think like the host by Stephanie Mayer and then I never and, and maybe Harry oh. Potter. <laughs> so, so um it was really, really specific. But yeah. I recently listened to a podcast. Um so Potterless podcast was originally about this guy reading all of the Harry Potters for the first time as an adult. Oh. Um because he'd never read them and hadn't really watched many of the films, didn't know anything about them. So it was his reactions to all the books. How and fun. Then, it's so funny. I definitely recommend it. Yeah, Potterless is a great podcast. But um, they move, he moved on to doing like movies and that sort of thing. And then he paired up with a podcast called Fanatical Fix. Um, and they, as a group, like the three of them, read um, My Immortal, which is this really oh God. infamous <laughs> fan fiction, um, which I had never heard of or read but listening to those three sort of describe, so they go through what happens in every sort of, you know, they read X amount of chapters and they go through what happens and in detail. And <laughs> honestly, just I, it was so funny, not only like the content, but the listening to those guys just listen to it, I, to, to read it. It was just, I almost, 
almost want to read it myself but I based on what they've said about like the spelling and grammar which they say is intentionally bad because they they think it might have been a satire <laughs> um I don't think I could get through it probably it was it a satire though or is it really bad no one knows no one knows yeah. if it was, no one knows if it was intentionally bad to somehow make fun of Harry Potter and fan fiction or whether it was just meant to be it was good and they thought what they were writing was good and and it just wasn't um no no one knows that's funny <laughs> but it's um it's some of the choices that they make uh sort of intentionally calling characters the wrong names and the themes and other fandoms they try to like weave into the stories because it's kind of most of the characters are vampires but not vampires but <laughs> Uh, it, there's a fictional main characters that, that's not from canon and all that sort of thing it's just a lot of sort of well-known fan fiction tropes kind of all in Put one story <laughs> um, wow and it's just completely wild and goes off in the most ridiculous directions but it's kind of so bad you have to carry on <laughs> watch yeah, it's like a train wreck <laughs> yeah. it's um but it was definitely those those I think was, they did it over six episodes and I cried laughing <laughs> listening to them it I was, should definitely listen it's so fun just honestly if you only listen to six episodes of Potterless I would probably say listen to those ones and I feel like the host would hate me for saying that because to be honest him going, <laughs> him going through all of the Harry Potter books was also amazing but like especially <laughs> my immortal was just so funny I, i'm definitely gonna check this podcast out i'm interested oh i do de- yeah definitely recommend you do but awesome so that's what you're reading at the moment now we're going to talk about some books that you've read already uh for the benefit of any listeners who haven't listened to the podcast before maybe found it for the first time our books last podcast uh challenges book lovers um to pick the only five books they can take with them when cast away forever to a mystery deserted location um our guests as always get to pick their mystery deserted location because i am not a monster and i won't force them to go to a deserted island <laughs> if they don't want to um <laughs> so ladies where will you be cast away to go renee go first um i don't i don't know somewhere in the caribbean it's a good choice <laughs> i would love to be des- like deserted on uh, anywhere in the maldives that's my dream Excellent. with a book <laughs> <laughs> i always love it when we've got exact geography because sometimes <laughs> sometimes guests come with a very specific country and even place in mind where they want to go and others um, create their own geography from a country that doesn't exist. <laughs> That's cool too. <laughs> uh, with with things that can't possibly exist next to each other, but they do. Um, <laughs> excellent. So, whereabouts we? What do you think you'll be staying in in the Caribbean slash Maldives? Is it uh, on the beach? In the I'd be on, in a bungalow on the ocean, on the water. <laughs> like you know, those one of those. Um, paradise videos that you see on social media i want i want that <laughs> that sounds yeah. ideal <laughs> i would i would definitely be on a house on the beach like it has a beachfront but it has also has like 
its own swimming area inside the house because even though I like the beach, I don't want to get in the beach because there's critters. So <laughs> I want my own private swimming bug and aqua life free area. Yeah, bungalows have those and they have slides into the ocean. Well, I want to slide into a pool. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. I'm not a, I'm not a huge sea and beach fan myself. Although, honestly, with the last 18 months, I think I'd go literally anywhere if it wasn't my house. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> and I would love to swim with sharks. So. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, you're alone there. <laughs> I would. Oh no, I don't. I don't do the sea. Although I will be the first to admit that I don't think sharks are the scariest thing in the sea. Whatsoever. They're not, <laughs> and I think they're so gorgeous. Oh, <laughs> uh, we um, yeah. No, I went to aquarium last week, and they had sort of sharks in this. Like you go through the tunnel, and then this the tank Swim is around you, you and this one nice. around you, and um, there was like stingrays that actually looked really cool because they kind of like skimmed over the top of the tunnel and stuff. They're they're nice when there's a lot of glass <laughs> <laughs> separating <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't have to be like in the sea that they're, they're nice then <laughs> <laughs> well we've got our locations picked out and now it's just a case of sharing the books that you want to take there um whichever you would like to go first where uh, would you like to share your first book with us so <clears throat> i i can start um i actually this was one of the most difficult tasks anybody has ever given me in my entire life. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> so I was like, how am I supposed to do this? Because I can never choose. So I decided to go with genre because I was like, okay, I can break this down easier. So I went, my first one, I wrote fantasy. And I know, don't judge me, I know there's a lot of amazing fantasies out there. But this year I read one that has stuck with me and I'm waiting for the second book for it. And it's called The Gilded Ones by Namina Forna. And I would love to be able to read that book again for the first time. So I decided it's my fantasy choice. It's a really good one. I've heard lots of really good things. It's unfortunate one I've been able to get around to myself, but I know it's got this stunning cover and oh, yes. all of the additions are just amazing. Um, for anybody who hasn't read it yet, um, can you give us a little summary of what it's about? Yeah, so The Gilded One is about uh, women who turn 16. They have to go to this pur purification or blood ceremony where they have to bleed. And if they bleed gold, then they're casted away and they're turned, like, they're looked upon as demons and they're often gotten the uh, death mandate. But if you bleed red, then you're you're normal. So it's about this girl who obviously she bleeds gold and she she is cast away and she has to find a way. Well, she kind of goes to the king. She starts training with the women who are all cast away because they're all bleeding gold. And she starts training to help the kingdom who is actually doing this to her in the first place. So it's kind of a amazing story about women who are fighting patriarchy but still doing it as like casted demons it's an amazing fantasy book i think that sounds that just it does sound amazing and i find um i mean i'd love to bleed gold bleeding red is so <laughs> i agree <laughs> that sounds so much cooler um it sounds really fast so um is there a lot of i mean 
is uh, what's the world building like? Is it sort of a <gasps> world very removed from ours? And that's, I would, I would, I, so. it's the world is, I, I literally, the first thing I remember when I read the book, I was thinking how the world is so beautiful and I would love to visit. It's like it's one of the places is, is high up on an island and surrounding all water, but it's like the place you never want to live in, but it sounds so beautiful because as a woman, you don't want to live in that society but the way the author is describing the world it's so lush and beautiful and green that you actually want to go there that sounds awesome how many books are supposed to be in the series is it going to be a duology trilogy i think it's supposed to be a trilogy and the second book is coming out this year and i know in the beginning i said i don't do series but this is a series i'm actually waiting for <laughs> and i'm excited to read the second one should be coming out this year 2021 oh that sounds really Great. Um, Mary, have you read The Gilded Ones? Have you got any thoughts? Yes, actually. So I wasn't expecting this. So to speak to how well I know her, I knew this would be on her list. <laughs> uh, I wasn't expecting it to be her first choice, but okay, we'll work with that. And I'm going genre. It's not first, second. This is well, this, I, in no I mean, order. I wasn't <laughs> expecting you to mention it first, but the, okay. the point here is that this is also on my list. And <gasps> this is why I knew we would have similar books. Because I actually wow. enjoyed the book as well. I didn't expect this at all. <laughs> I mean, based on our conversation before, I wasn't really expecting this either. <laughs> so that's really, really interesting. So why is it on your list as well? What about this book stood out to you so much that it um, made such a wide impression? <laughs> so I don't really read fantasy I, because I find fantasy, when I think about fantasy, I think about like Harry Potter, Twilight and Game of Thrones and all of those books are massive. And there's not to say that I don't like massive books, but like after I look at the series as it's already done and I think of how many words I have to read, it just kind of puts me off from reading it. But this one, I, re I listened to the audiobook, which is what I do for most of the books. After she told me about it mm -hmm. on our uh, podcast, podcast episode, and it was really intriguing. I thought that the world seemed very interesting and I'm like, a bunch of women fighting against man yeah i'm there just give it to me and it was a great book yeah i mean it sounds amazing i mean i uh what's the audiobook like is the narrator um i mean i really love audible because the narration quality is just so amazing yeah. <laughs> i agree the audiobook was actually really good um I'm pretty sure it was just one, like, like I read books where there's multiple narrators, but this one I believe was one uh, who did all the parts and they were easily distinguishable. They had, you know, the different voices mm -hmm. to tell who was who. And I like the way that they did. So in this world, there's creatures that aren't real. And I like the way that they voice some of those creatures. I don't know if in the physical book, maybe the spelling of some of the, the dialogue from those creatures. The who? I, is it the E Q U U creature? I can't say that. Or are you talking about the death <laughs> yeah. <cheeks>? Okay. Yes. <laughs> How did they say it in the book? I mean, on the Audible. Well, I don't remember at the moment, but I don't. <laughs> I don't think you pronounced it right the first time. No, that's the, that's the lovely part about audio. I know how it's pronounced. And she's like, it's spelled like this, and I'm like, I don't know what that is. 
I can relate to this conversation a lot because so I only recently discovered audiobooks and I generally um, listen to like non-fiction books on audiobooks um, sometimes fiction as well but uh, <laughs> um, a lot of books that I read growing up I uh, would be made fun of by sort of <laughs> friends and family because I could not pronounce some of the words in it because I'd only ever see, I'd never heard them out loud I'd only yeah. ever seen them written down um and I would just come up with the most absurd pronunciations because I was just like well that's the letters that are in the words so I'm using I, all the letters I know the struggle all too personally so yeah I completely <laughs> completely relate to that but the audiobooks are useful for that and it is really good when you've got a narrator who is um knowledgeable <laughs> yeah and really like good at characterization yeah. because um mm -hmm. if they can really stick to a uh, a way of characterizing um each one and they stand out from each other because obviously um I don't know I don't do voices for different characters when I'm reading the books but because I'm the one reading it, it doesn't yeah. really matter <laughs> yeah. but if someone's reading it to me it's going to get really confusing if they can't be consistent with the way they characterize each character in the book so that's that's really good I um I'll have to check that out. I need to start using Audible more because I constantly find myself um, doing things with my hands that like just housework and stuff like that, that isn't really engaging my my mind. And there's no reason I can't be listening to an audiobook. So I really need to get into the habit of keeping them. Yeah, yeah. they're perfect for going. That. Exactly. Well, yeah, I like to listen to Audible when um, tending my plants. I love listening. That just sounds so idyllic. Like. It is. It's heaven. <laughs> I I keep saying every time I get into the car, so I do a lot of driving for inspections for work and I'll be in the car for like a couple of hours in the day. But I just every time I get in the car, I say I'm going to listen to an audiobook, and then I end up listening to podcasts because oh, yeah. <laughs> because I can't. It's it's like as there's a very fine line in between how engaged I need to be with the content yeah. and if yep. I'm going to just zone into driving I don't want to be doing it in the middle of a really good book yeah I love when I'm driving I like podcasts when I am working because I'm a graphic designer as well so when I'm editing and all that I love listening to pop, uh, books ebooks yeah it's uh it's nice to have have both I can't wait uh the one thing I've really missed about my commute because I've been working from home is my reading and personal yeah. time that I get on the train that's just my time and there's no dogs or husbands or <laughs> colleagues that need my help um, yeah or assistance so asking questions oh yeah where's the this? break <laughs> where, where's this thing that I know I should know where it is but I don't um where's the thing that I put yeah <laughs> um literally and I mean that applies to all of them my dog is constantly um putting his toys underneath our sofas and he knows where they are but he can't get to them so he comes to tell me that he's he's put <laughs> and I have to go and get them um so yeah anyway uh so a shared choice for the first book which was unexpected I wonder if we'll yeah. have any any more crossovers um, I doubt it for real this time that's it for, for real for real yes. we, we don't think we're gonna have another crossover. no but, no but this is it we're not going to rule it out. <laughs> so, <laughs> Lalik, what is your second choice for okay. um, your books, if we're going by genre? Okay, so this one is way out of, like, left field. And you guys are going to be like, what? So, I love historical books. 
like legitimately history, things that are primary sources or source books or anything that comes from the original um, writings. So for this one, I chose a book called The History of Sexuality Source Book, and it's trans- it's edited by Matthew Kuffler. I think that's how you say his name. Um, it's a book, it's a source book that actually talks, goes way back from ancient to medieval to modern. And it goes from the older countries. It goes from like Asia to Africa, Europe, and to the Americas. And it talks about um, obviously the sexuality and it goes into the religious, um, like religious, legal, political, and any of the texts that come from history. And why I love this book is that it shows me, I mean, I still have my notes on it, but it literally shows me that any of these new concepts that people think are new is really not. It comes back from ancient times. And I just love this book. It has so many different sources in it. And a lot of broken down texts that come from like 1500s and they're talking about transsexuals and transgenders. And it's just beautiful for me because it's not a new concept and people need to know that. That sounds really fascinating. I uh, kind of, I mean, I haven't read the book, but I get incredibly irritated with people who um, kind of dismiss a lot of um, what's coming, I suppose, to the forefront of the disc- like d- general discussion um, about sexuality, because as, as I don't know, newfangled fads and all that sort of thing that is I don't know almost like they think millennials and generation x have invented them or they think it's just something because quote-unquote we're woke and we're trying to do things out of the ordinary but it's like no it's just now we refuse to be hidden and this is it's this is it and this book literally proves that this has been going on for a longer than even christianity so yeah i think um yeah i love it when people dismiss things as made up or not real it's like please define real for me yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) what does that even mean um well that sounds i mean what are we talking about sort of length on this book if say someone wanted to pick it up because they were interested in the subject matter because um i mean i will admit sort of history and non-fiction texts i i'm kind of boring in in my exploration so this book is about like 450 pages okay so not enormous by mm, history book standards oh no not at all well it is kind of bigger than your usual like it, it the size of it is bigger than your usual book that's behind you right now that I'm looking at but yeah but um I would say it's like a textbook about 430 to 450 pages but there like I said there's primary sources in it so it's not like you're reading a non-stop of continuation stuff like like one of them would be about 5th century BCE and then it moves on to 10th century and it's each of them is just talking about different things so you don't have to read every single one if you don't want to it's just the sources and the the primary sources that you take from it you can just through it that sounds really um interesting i mean does it pull i mean are the sources from i suppose presumably all over the world as well as across different times that's yes sounds really fascinating something that i would be interested in checking out just because 
Yeah, it's always good to be more educated. It's not something I say I've necessarily uh, read a lot about, um, but I definitely would be interested in a bit knowing a bit more. There's quite a few um, sexuality source books or historical books that I had to like choose from, but I think this one has the most to give. Excellent. And it will be joining the Gilded Ones in (laughs) your stack of books. Um, Mary, what will be the second book that will be joining you and the Gilded Ones? (laughs) Um, So I also did genre. Oh. Yeah. What's it like? (laughs) I mean, this has been 11 years of friendship. So I think, yeah, we should be. (laughs) Um, But so my second book, which is weird for me to say because it is a romance what yeah (laughs) I have like this love hate thing with romance so but romance is a lot that I read because of fan fiction a lot of the fan fiction is romance so I I can get it and the reason that this even though this one is a book um it correlates with fan fiction because the writer or the author was a fan fiction writer that I followed into her book. Um, so this one is called The Wrong McElroy, and it's by K.L. Hughes. Never and heard of it. <laughs> this is basically the story of these two friends. One has to go to his Southern family's home for a vacation, which I can't recall which one. And he wants to bring a date because, you know, family, after you get to a certain age, family is like, oh, yeah. who are you dating? Where are you going to get married? You're going to bring home some kids type of thing. So he has a fake relationship. Uh, he brings his best friend and they pretend to have a relationship. And normally in like fake relationships, obviously the two get together for real. But no, because this one is um, an LGBT book, the fake, his fake or his friend and the fake relationship ends up with the sister. I don't hate it. That's a good, that sounds like a good twist. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why I picked it because it was like I, a fake relationship where they don't get together. I like that. Yeah, I mean, I would be lying if I said I didn't quite like the fake dating trope. I don't know why I like it. Me too. (laughs) A lot. (laughs) I I could not for the life of you tell you why I like it, but um, I do. Um, Because realistically, it's stupid, but in a book, it's amazing. It's stupid and no one does it. It's it's yeah. not something that anyone's ever considered doing to fix their problems in real life. <laughs> but in a book, it just creates excellent areas. Fun. <laughs> yeah. <It's> fun. <laughs> always. No, always. I, totally, I totally get it. Like, my favorite, like, so that is one of my favorite romance tropes when I have to read it. But everyone in every fandom I've ever read in redoes the proposal that movie and it's like my favorite story from every fandom whenever they redo it i still think the proposal is a rendition of a book i mean it could be i don't i because the proposal came out around 2008 is is the proposal the one with ryan reynolds and yes yes yeah Yeah, i do like that film i actually watched that recently i think i love that movie it's so funny especially (laughs) when she sings um 369 damn you're fine no, no, nobody. To the walls, to the window, nobody. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, no, it is funny. The grandma's really funny in that as well. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, but I, yeah, fake data. I do. Th- I do find it just a really fun interest. Although, ironically, I don't know. I've read some romance series recently, and I think I ended up skipping that particular trope in this series because I didn't want to read those characters. <laughs> not badly enough to read the trope anyway but um yeah it's a really so um tell us a little bit more about the book I mean where is it set in particular so it's a modern like modern day book I think it came out in like 2017 so I'm assuming that's like the setting of this particular book uh it's on a farm in the south so we do have those characters that's a bit problematic for any LGBT type relationship in the South. Um, there's a grandma who is just like not accepting. And I think the way that this author wrote that character was pretty, uh, pretty real, like realistic and it was well done. And that was generally the fear of the characters to come out because they all were, essentially in the closet to this family mm-hmm. um the friend obviously was she she out and proud in her real life but and for this particular family she had to be dating their son yeah and the daughter who she ends up having this crush on is also in the closet so they had to go through the whole coming out scene and I think that it was well written and realistic you something that you can imagine even though it it didn't have a horrible ending for the for the friends and the children that's really interesting I mean we talk about the I suppose fake dating trope and how they sort of usually end up together but I find it interesting to be used as like a I suppose a vehicle to um hide so like as a way for someone to hide their sexuality around their family I don't think I've ever actually read it used like that although it does kind of seem like it would be an obvious I suppose Mm. (laughs) a choice for that but I find I mean is it generally despite I suppose I mean coming out and that sort of thing is can can be quite heavy subject matter is it quite a light fun sort of book most of the time or is it um does it sort of get quite serious so for the most part, it's definitely a lighter book because the early the early chapters really deal with um, the friend trying not to expose her crush on the sister, the younger sister. And throughout this, she's trying to show that she's in this full relationship with their son and that She's engaging in family activities because they have this uh, snowball fight. So I do think it's Christmas. <laughs> they have a snowball fight, <laughs> which gets super intense. And it's it's really light and fun until you get to the very end where secrets are exposed. Which also happened in a very, I mean, not fun, but funny way. <laughs> like lighter way. Yeah. It's not as dramatic. It's just a uh, <laughs> classic. Is it like classic miscommunication, all the secrets get sort of just tumbled out in one big? Uh, um, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. One, one big showcase. They all come they all come out at once as opposed to sort of trickling out over 
yeah. <laughs> longer period of time. That I mean, is it is it part of a series? Did you say? Uh, no, this was just a standalone. But I wouldn't mind reading more about the the characters, like seeing them actually form this relationship more than this initial crush and lusting. But would you actually read? a book now that like the, the develop, development of their relationship because that's not the type of book I thought you like to read I probably would just because I know the author like I've read them mm -hmm. before what did you say the author's name was again just so I can make a note and check uh, her out it is K.L. Hughes okay and they started out in fan fiction you said yeah she started out writing fan fiction she actually with she did the thing which I kind of don't like and like at the same oh, time. Oh yeah, I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> Where and she made one of her stories an actual book, um, and changed the names. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't you know. Uh, we talked about it being very. So this was once upon a time. So we talked about it being like just changing the city from Storybrook to Novel Town, but this was more so had nothing to do with fairy tales or anything. Just two women uh, falling in love, and again a modern setting. Nothing so to like do with the actual fandom. Film? Yeah, yeah, an okay. alternative authors universe or AU as we call yeah. it. I am. Um, it's. I mean, it, a lot of authors seem to. A lot, I mean, a lot of really big authors that have made uh, quite a lot of money um, seem to have come from like a background of fan fiction in very sort of very specific um, genres. And I do find, I suppose, I don't know, when you're writing fan fiction, it is still um, writing and it's a way to sort of develop your own story ideas. But I suppose you're kind of playing in the safety of somebody else's world that's already got all this sort of structure um, built around it. But I mean... Cassandra Clare, I know um, the Mortal Instruments was just Harry Potter fan fiction, um, which when someone told me that, it kind of blew my mind because I didn't know that because I didn't know she'd come from a fan fiction background. And um, when I actually looked back on the series afterwards and they said, oh, yeah, no, she wrote a Harry Potter fan fiction starring Draco. And if you actually look at the characters, um, Jace is Draco and such and such and such and such. And I was like, oh, my God, I can see it. <laughs> um, I was like, I was like, yeah, no, like, she's obviously put her own twist and they've grown um, outside of that sort of character. But I can definitely see the roots there. And I've not read Fifty Shades of Grey, but I do know that it comes from um, Twilight fan fiction, yeah. which, I mean, just with the broad strokes of what I know about it, um, I wish I could say I was surprised. Um, I love <laughs> <laughs> Have you read them? Just honestly. Okay, so I like Twilight and I've read all of Twilight. Me too. I have not read Fifty Shades of Grey, but I've heard parts of it because I did. <laughs> I told this story on the podcast before. There was a girl in my class in high school. We went on a school trip to Germany and um, she was reading Fifty Shades of Grey while we were on this trip. And at one point, I have a very, really vivid memory of us all sat because we used public transport to get around and we were sat on a train um going through Berlin and she was reading out loud passages <laughs> 50 shades of gray. um and I mean there were about 50 people from our class <laughs> on this train alongside all of the locals who live in Berlin and um undoubtedly speak better English than we speak German and <laughs> our teachers so um I 
remember being kind of horrified but also in awe of the competence <laughs> and complete unabashed way that this 16 year old was reading 50 shades of gray That's out loud so um <laughs> so yeah parts of it not yeah not one that i've read or seen the films uh yeah my mum read them and i think that made me not want to read them on <laughs> yeah that'll, that'll do it <laughs> now um i actually have read all of the twilights and i'm not gonna lie i loved the twilight series I not do, the I movies yeah not the movies but the book because in the movies you know how they just keep staring at each other but the yeah. book actually just explains the emotions be, be like why they're staring or what's going through their mind yeah. that's why i like well that's why i like books in the first place but it's just the funniest thing ever how sucky the movie is <laughs> yeah pretty much i mean the only highlight of those movies is taylor lautner shirtless for the majority of the last three <laughs> yes um, <laughs> just... but i have read um 50 shades of gray or the first book and i can tell oh, you i didn't know that i did well i couldn't finish it it's just oh. not something that was enjoyable it was just screaming abuse to me not yeah not the type of relationship that a BDSM should have, but more like you're gonna do what I tell you and I'm gonna hurt you and that's abuse. That's not how it works. Yeah, I've seen a lot on the internet about um and it's a very valid point that you know if Christian Gray was not an attractive wealthy white yeah. man um what he was doing would be termed it would be uh like 50 shades of gray would be a trauma story and a survivor's story whereas um because he's just drips privilege uh, from his every pore he it's considered sexy for some reason yeah and it's, um, not. and it's not and yeah no and i've read i've read some kind of uh, some interesting sort of like satirical possibility where it's just like they kind of switch up the setting and they switch up him and you know just with a few very minor tweaks um it goes from being this and it, the thing is a lot of people i know who really love the series um it makes them kind of uncomfortable to sort of be confronted with that but um if you don't you don't have to change much um not that i mean if someone enjoys that but those series that's obviously entirely their choice i know not everyone is a big of fan course. of twilight and i enjoy twilight <clears throat> i um personally would try I mean I had an English teacher who despised Twilight with like a burning passion she once had like a few pages of it photocopied for us to go through and criticize the writing because <laughs> 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 she really did not like it um but I I kind of had to I yeah you don't I think there are some books that you read for their literary prowess and I think there's some you read because you just like the characters in the story and yeah. you don't you don't need <laughs> Like, the story yeah <laughs> I think you don't you don't need everything um <laughs> and I just think Twilight's one of those stories and I do I I have a bit of a soft spot for it and a bit, it's a bit of a guilty pleasure of mine even though I, I know Twilight has problematic stuff yeah. in it too especially with um oh my god I forgot his name in the book the Jacob? Taylor yes Jacob yeah. and, and the baby Renesmee yeah no, is just all wrong yeah i mean that's like a problem early on though because like he it's actually kind of hinted at and foreshadowed with one of the other pack members and a little girl called yeah. claire and um oddly that's always the first thing that kind of jumps to the like conversation but i mean i've recently sort of talked about this with a few friends of mine who again they like the series but they've kind of had to come to terms with some of the problems in it yeah and um they talk about sort of i mean um the way that the quite 
Quilite, I can't pronounce Quilite tribe is portrayed because that's like an that's an actual t- tribe of people. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, and it's from that from the general area. Oh, that's messed up. Yeah, the way that like the I suppose lore and everything's just been completely well stolen basically and yeah. turned into something that is not, not anything resembling like even remotely resembling the actual it's just kind of very insensitive and then on top of that and something that I had not even it's not even crossed my mind um but uh, a friend of mine <laughs> pointed out that um there is a part when Jasper sort of explains his past where he sort of very proudly states that he was a confederate soldier soldier and never oh. expresses any remorse for it why don't i um, remember that um, and you black out the negative i guess well i was also 15 yeah yeah i mean yeah. i was i think i was probably 13 14 when i yeah. read the book so these weren't things that i was aware of i had <laughs> didn't didn't really use the internet back then um but i it's something that i've kind of learned as a thingy so i've not they're not a series that i've revisited but like i said still either. i have a bit of a soft spot because I suppose the time and life that I came across them, but I've had to sort of, I don't know. I think you make your own um, with the books that you sort of take the parts that you like about them. And I think as long as you can sort of confront the more problematic areas. I mean, also the whole Edward being 300 years old coming back for a 16 year old is also problematic. I think the whole book is problematic, but it's also uh, something, like you said, it's kind of nostalgic because I read when I was younger. Yeah, well, now that you're older, you think you realize what's problematic and you can actually analyze it from a 30-year-old's point of view instead of a 14 or 15-year-old yeah. who doesn't, who didn't have those experiences, didn't realize those things were a thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's as long as... I suppose the discussion's had and it's not all just pushed under the carpet, I suppose it's always a good thing to, yeah. to have. Um. Excellent. So we've done books one and two. Um, what is the third book that is going to be joining you guys in your mystery? Lo- well, not so much a mystery anymore location. <laughs> so my third one has the one of the best genres, I think, in my life I've ever read, which is true crime. And I would recommend, well, I love this book. It's called I'll Be Gone in the Dark. And it's the one woman's obsession- obsessive search for the Golden State Killer by Michelle McNamara. So this book is about the Golden State Killer who pretty much reigned terror in Northern California and SoCal, Southern California. And he did about 10 gruesome murders. So not only would he murder, but he would also rape people. And a lot of the time he was able to just get away from the from police and detective. detective. So for three decades, no one knew who he was until 2019. And unfortunately, Michelle McNamara died before he was caught and she died before the book was fully finished, but her husband finished the book for her and published it and he was caught and he's actually in jail right now. Mm-hmm. So I think this book is a very bittersweet book in a way that she spent decades trying to find out who this guy is and help the detectives and law enforcement, but she didn't really finish her life goal because she passed away unexpectedly, but it's bittersweet that her husband finished her work for her. 
And not only that, the guy was actually caught and is in prison right now. Yeah, I think I uh, true crime's never been something that I've been hugely um, <gasps> into, <laughs> <laughs> but it's something that I'm actually um, I'm uh, listening to a lot more. It's not something that I ever got into, mainly because I'm kind of um, I'm a bit. Uh, sensitive to certain content and i find it yes. seems to be prevailing in a lot of true crime uh but a previous guest of the podcast and very good friend of mine um has a true crime podcast with her two friends Ooh. uh called murder Moses. and um the three of them they're in texas and they talk about true crime basically every week and the three of them make it palatable for me <laughs> so when i listen to it i don't get nightmares um and I get to sort of they you know they have a great conversation about it generally and it is actually really really interesting to see how these kind of things happen I suppose I just it seems so bizarre like I mean that it took until 2019 but I mean when you think about the history of I suppose DNA and I suppose developments in CCTV and surveillance um with I suppose there's a lot of difference in 30 years but I it's scary, very scary <laughs> um, that someone could get away with it for that long. Yeah, but I do believe that he was found because of the DNA, <clears throat> excuse me, the genealogy, the genealogy thing that's been happening in the last mm-hmm. few years where people are donating, not donating, they're testing their own DNA to figure out who they are. I think that, I think it's amazing that something as simple and like simple as that is helping law enforcement catch those bad people yeah i will i will add there that um it's not just dna testing you actually have to opt in to a different system like you upload your dna test to a separate service and opt in for it to be public knowledge so the police can have that access to your database so i don't want anyone who's like thinking about taking a dna test like oh no (laughs) i don't want the police to find whoever but yeah no it's you know, not quite like that, but yeah, not automatic. (laughs) I'm the opposite too. I'm like, I should take the test just to see who gets caught. (laughs) I, um, I actually got a DNA test, uh, like an ancestry one for Christmas. How fun. You did. Um, yes, my husband got it me because I've been interested about that just for a long time. And I said, I've already sent one off, but then there was an issue with it. So they sent me another one for free and I need to do it again. Um, But my problem is you have to not eat or drink for like an hour before. And I keep forgetting (laughs) that I'm supposed to do that. (laughs) Why not do it in the morning? You wake up. Yeah, that's really what I should do because every time I like remember, it's like as I'm a like eating something or drinking something <laughs> I go oh I need to do that thing <laughs> yeah um, yeah but I'll get around to it eventually but yes um <laughs> true crime's an interesting one and there's a lot of there is a lot of books published about true crime is it um so is it kind of like a journal of her own investigation or is it an and more of a narrative um I suppose well, it, it's more of a yeah it is more of a narrative but it it, it has it, it it has a point of view of the detectives Okay, I'm going to tell you one story about this detective called Paul Hall. His name is Paul Hall. Mm-hmm. I didn't just make that up. <laughs> so he was on this case for years, and he's also in the book. And he actually has a podcast now, too, but that's side note. So he was trying to figure out this guy. And the day he retired, he ended up 
find he's got some information of who the Golden State Killer might be. So the day he was retiring, he went and parked in front of that guy's house. And he debated if he should go talk to him. But he was because he was retiring, he said, it's okay, like, they'll take care of it. And he left and he retired. And then the whole genealogy thing happened, DNA. And then he ended up helping solve the case, even though he was also retired. So it's just an amazing book of bunch of people who literally fought decades to fight this guy who literally brutalized people that he would go into people's homes and hurt like you know I don't want to go into details but it's it's not it wasn't nice at all and Mm. it was brutal and people would die and then and then nobody knew what it was because it was in NorCal and then it started happening in SoCal so nobody knew it was related but they come to find out at the end that it's all related it's all one guy who did that I always just, found it odd about the Golden State Killer that he, that he went into homes where there were couples there. Like it wasn't just the one person he wanted; it was actually he would tie it, yeah. And I thought that that was very bold of him. But then to find out he was ex-cop, made sense. Well, I was just gonna say that they always suspected that he might be in some kind of law enforcement, and that turned out to be true. Yeah, I can't. Oh, I yeah i'm sorry is this too much for you no no i'm just thinking i wish it was more shocking to me that he was you know in enforcement. i just with some recent things that have happened here in the uk um specifically with police officers abusing their access to things um it's just um it's just really uh, it's just i can't even think it's disgusting probably yeah it's probably the word i'm looking for um that that's sort of where that comes from i um yeah i I always find sort of i mean i suppose that's why true crime has such this uh has this huge like um phenomenon and sort of i suppose following around it because serial killers in particular are kind of fascinating because despite how sort of well-known um they become they're actually exceedingly rare for someone to kill um numerous i suppose multiple people who especially that they don't know because the majority of murders are people yes committed by people who Mm -hmm. know the victim um so it's kind of it's yeah it's it's always like serial killers are actually incredibly rare but it's weird that they're kind of the you know poster for true crime because but i suppose because they're so rare that's what makes them so so fascinating it just kind of reminds me of um i recently saw another true crime book being advertised in a local bookstore called a passion for poison Hmm. uh which is about a british serial killer who over i think it was like over his entire life he was there it it was decades he uh as a child sort of dabbled with poisons and he sort of practiced sort of poisoning his family to see how long or doses and he kept detailed sort of diaries and he just carried on doing it throughout his entire life killing people by accident and it never got traced back to him and it took even now they still don't know how many people he actually killed wow. um, is it by Janice Del Negro and it's somebody called, else? I think it's by uh, Carol Ann oh uh, Carol Ann Lee it's by it's called A Passion for Poison um and yeah he was he's i think he was known as like the teacup poisoner or something in the uk and he didn't like that name um because it wasn't appropriately scary for him he was 
had problems, obviously. Well, um, I, think that's what the, I think that's what the appeal is to serial killers. It's, it's not just because, you know, yes, they're rare, but also it's the thinking, like, what in their mind made them do the things that they did? Like, what actions in their childhood might have brought out this thing? Was it not anything that happened to them? And it was just, like, something innately inside of them? And that's always been... A, like a thing for humans that want to understand the inner workings of of the odd thing yeah it's, it's, it's the... fascinating it's fascinating to see like what triggers them what it's not that I'm interested because it's cool but it's just like what is wrong with you I would like to know <laughs> yeah and it's... how can I avoid creating somebody like you in the future <laughs> Well, that's just it, isn't it? It's the nature versus nurture sort of a discussion, as well as um, people kind of have a morbid curiosity of, um, I mean, most people would sort of sit and listen to these stories and think, how how could anyone possibly do that? But also they're kind of intrigued to know what separates them as a person from someone who does do those things. Yeah. Like, what is the difference? What? And I just, it is, it is a fascinating discussion. I I really like I like sort of hearing about the full story but I think I've found I like the ones where I suppose you get the just ending where they get captured and um that sort of thing oh, you at don't the do end. cold cases yeah oh no the yeah, cold I was case, yeah cold cases <laughs> so my nan loves like crime shows like I watched so much CSI and Law and Order (laughs) growing up and um, she used to watch a show called Cold Cases yeah and they were horrible because they never had a good ending I mean it's called Cold Cases there's no ending (laughs) I mean they were always like fictional and I think sometimes a lot of the time they actually solve them but they the thing is they always sort of showed the crime at the beginning and it was always like years and years and years before and then it's them revisiting and reaching like going like and it is entirely like fictional but I just remember just I mean some of them in particular there's one that's like stuck in my mind now even now and it's been like probably easily 10 15 years since I watched it um of just like yeah just the imagery and all that sort of thing and I just I I tend to do yeah I do better with captured captured zero so I might be all right with um I'll be gone in the dark because yeah it gets finished and she had well, a very lovely husband who finished her book for her that's what I was gonna say though um this was a cold case up until 2019 like I I think it was 2019 or 2018 but I'm pretty sure 19 but it's just oh it was published 2018 so okay so 2018 um it's just amazing how three decades of a cold case was solved because somebody just ended up trying to find out who they are with their mm-hmm. DNA. And then like Renee said, shared their results with everybody. It's not yeah. just, it's not automatic guys. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's definitely an interesting one. I, I mean, obviously part of the appeal with serial killers is usually the, um, the fame and being known for what they did, which is why I always get irritated when the news broadcasts that a serial yeah. killer has died or something in prison. Cause we've got a few, um, more infamous cases in the UK where the perpetrators have died in prison recently because they've reached that age and it's very much and then because of that you then get the recovering of the story and that sort of thing it's like those families are probably still alive can you just I mean they get to know but does 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 this person need to be any more famous than they already are 
that's, that's kind of so how funny. it is here though we have like documentaries on ted bundy every year or something like, or a movie and they're trying to make him seem like like why yeah. are they trying to what's the word they're trying to humanize romanticize him, him. yeah or romanticize that. that's exactly the word and it's like no he was an evil person like don't do that which yeah. by the way a runner-up was another book um not i'll be gone in the dark it's by Anne rule who was friends with ted bundy Oh, the stranger besides me. That that was a runner-up for me because it's about Ted Bundy and and Rule wrote it when she was like best friends with him and had no idea who Ted Bundy really was. Gary, no, yeah, yeah, <laughs> should it? Um, that's oh god, no. I um, I, the thing is, romanticizing Ted Bundy that's going to happen when you cast Zac Efron as yeah. him, and I don't know what they were thinking. Um, really, he's an excellent actor. He he is, but like. Don't I, people. Yeah, I saw a, tw- <laughs> I saw a tweet or something, and it was um uh someone was just tweeting just like um I keep on seeing about how everyone says that Ted Bundy was fine, and and I keep seeing it, and you know what? I'm done being silent. He was not. He's not. And um, it posted some photos, and you know what? I to be I've never seen any photos of him, um because it's not I've not watched the documentary or the film or that sort of thing. But um, I was like yeah no I agree that's not a good looking man and the fact that you know what he did makes him even less attractive (laughs) but the only thing that I disagree is that unfortunately Ted Bundy was a good looking white man and that is how he played everybody around him in the first place I suppose so sorry yeah he wasn't the um classic picture of what people thought serial killers were but exactly yeah he I think there were it's just oh yeah no it's just a it's yeah another interesting sort of I suppose character study yeah (laughs) if you can use that terminology um but um but I'm sure Zach Afghan did do that had to watch a lot of court cases and watch Ted Bundy because he was in the line like he was in the spotlight when he was doing all the horrible things he was doing Mm. And he would just smile to the camera and be very charming. And that is the scariest part. Yeah. Somebody so charming is, I don't, I was going to say is usually not a good person, but that's not, that. I don't mean that. But just, it's, it's crazy that I shouldn't use that word. I'm sorry. It's just out of this world that a person can fake it that much. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, a, it's, it's sort of mind blowing that, uh, yeah charm can hold charm can hide a lot I um not that I I don't think I know I have any serial killers in my acquaintance however (laughs) um I am often amazed by what charming (laughs) young men are able to do and get away with um purely because they know the right way to talk um and just smile yeah (laughs) but um moving well hopefully moving away from uh scary ted bundy <laughs> i don't know what she chose <laughs> what is the third book that will be joining your list mary so i don't know if we just had like some type of mind sinking. no <laughs> no i didn't okay so i didn't pick true crime okay <laughs> but i did pick a mystery su- suspense book okay and this one more so well first this one is a uh, home before dark by riley sager and it's about 
it's a kind of a two in one. You have the chapters with Maggie, which is the daughter. She's grown. She's going back to this house that her father wrote a book about as being haunted. Um, so when she was a child, they lived there for about seven days. And these mysterious things, according to the book, happened. And the father wrote it off as being a haunted house. And that's kind of what made the book or his book famous and that house famous. Uh, when the father passed away, she went back to, well, first, she's never been back to the house since those seven days. And she's always been curious and asked her parents and they never told her about the, the house at all. Told her if the book was actually true, if it was, you know, if that's something that they experienced because she no longer remembered and uh, they would never tell her. So once he passed and she got the, the deed to the home, she went back to her job is to renovate houses. So she went back to do that so she could sell it. And she the book just tells her her time in that house where she's kind of remembering some of the things that the, her father's book mentioned happened to her as a kid or happened to their family and she's discovering the truth behind the house uh and then the other the other chapter so every other chapter is her story in this present day and then the uh the second chapter or the next chapter would be a chapter from the book that her father wrote, which I thought was pretty cool. I haven't, I, it's a lot of stories or a lot of books where you read about a book being famous in that story's world, but you don't actually get to read the infamous book from that story. And in this case, you actually get to read the book that was written by the father because those were the chapters. Yeah, so you've got the the book within a book, but the book's actually mm-hmm. yeah. there. Book I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always find it like I, I think an author I follow uh, put something on there. It's just like, what do you mean my genius character who's come up with this amazing way to get out of her, their problems? Um, I have to come up with the amazing genius idea that they <laughs> that they've come up with. And it's like um, sometimes you can do a lot of reading about a book telling you how excellent this other, I suppose, song or book or other right. piece of work is inside of it. But then. I suppose the author needs to then be talented enough to execute that as well, because if it's not in there, there's a lot of telling and not a lot of showing. And um, it's good when they can sort of balance the two. Yeah. And I think he did. He decided to just go with the, I'll just write both books and that'll be that. Sounds like, I mean, that sounds like the best way to do it. I don't think I'd ever be able to write about a book unless it actually like maybe there existed. Yeah. I mean, do you think maybe, I mean, from reading it, it's okay if you don't know. Um, do you think maybe one book came before the other or maybe they were both wrote concurrently? Is there a lot of sort of threads? It'd be interesting to just see what the process would be like that for a writer. Well, you know, actually, I don't know, but that is a good question because the way that the story goes is she's hit the father's book goes from day one into the house, you know, moving, um, well, no, not moving in, but like viewing the house before you make a purchase, hearing the offer, and you get to see the father's take on the realtor telling them about the house and how it has interesting history and can tell that they're leaving things out. And then they go from uh, day one, day two, all the way until they flee the house for, according to him, ghost. And the stories are interwoven because as she as we read the chapters from the father's book 
the Maggie story or her day within the house has reflections upon that. So in one of the parts, she finds a photo of herself with with a without a scar and then she recalls in the father's book the same like there was a date on the photo and according to the book she should have had a scar because of a ghost did something to her and you know it's like oh, okay and then we go to the next chapter and we see what she's saying the ghost did to her according mm. to her father wow that sounds really spooky that, <laughs> i would think though that he had to write the father's book first mm. so that he can maybe go back and say um go back and kind of intertwine maggie's story into her father's book so he's like okay so in chapter two of the father's book there's this picture so in the previous chapter for maggie we're going to have her find the picture type of thing giving me kind of American Horror Story kind of vibes because mm-hmm. I always remember the first season of American Horror Story where they're looking around the house and the again stories being left out. Just like, oh yeah, no. So uh, the reason why it's not sold is yeah, someone died here. It's just like really someone, just just the one. <laughs> <laughs> just you, you use the word one. <laughs> someone. Someone. <Yeah. laughs> and that's pretty much how that scene played out. Very <laughs> not so much as a lie, but definitely omission. Yeah, just like all right, someone not not some people, definitely not anything really dark or sinister. No, none of that. I'm just happy in California. You are obligated to tell people if somebody died in the house. You can't withhold that information here. Yeah, that's I like that. Yeah, that's good. That's always good. <laughs> like, um, let it be my decision. <laughs> oh, I see. I'm not superstitious, and I actually don't really. Um, so I always say I don't believe in ghosts. I feel like I need to touch something. I say I'm not superstitious, but okay. I say I, say I don't believe in ghosts. She says. Yes, you want to knock on wood. Yeah, she <laughs> she says filming this in the dark in her relatively empty house because um, she's just waiting to have something sneak up on a webcam. But um, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you if there's something behind you. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, but um, I honestly don't know if I was confronted with like, oh, this house is amazing and this this and this but um you know murders happened here or people died or people say it's haunted i don't know if i would be brave enough to actually um get the house because i don't know i feel like the only reason i don't believe in ghosts is because i've not been given any reason to but um i don't really want <laughs> to don't want to yeah yeah <laughs> i'm definitely... the same way I definitely wouldn't move into a house that has like a murder has occurred there <laughs> because of that just the energy stays. Yeah, no. You believe in ghosts or whatever. It's just reality is that energies are all around us. So if there's a murder, I feel like that energy would linger and I don't want that in my house. I think some places just have a, like, they have a bad vibe. Yes. <laughs> I yes. I inspect a lot of different kinds of buildings and stuff for my work. And there are some buildings that, you know, from the outside look quite spooky i suppose but um generally you walk around and it's fine but i've gone into some i mean like houses uh like big sort of manor houses type things or or i suppose buildings and i don't know you just you get a vibe and And you have to look over your shoulder yeah and it's like if you know there's sometimes you know if a door closes behind me because it's got like a you know a mechanism on i'm not gonna like jump because I'm used to it but there are some times that I mean I was <laughs> I was inspecting a, a site like last week and um the door sort of clicked and sort of 
shuddered because it was the hinges were kind of dodgy but I was on my own and I was not very happy (laughs) (laughs) I I had to do a yeah no I had to do a quick quick stroll outside in the sunshine to um how dare the door close (laughs) it was just it was was just one of those things I just like you know what this room is giving me a bad vibe and I find when you go to some place like historical places that um yeah quite have quite well-known bad histories I think when you walk around them you can feel it yes I I I, you're not it's not I believe it it's not out of this world to feel like somebody would feel the energy or the bad vibes I think that's why I think if I was to if someone like if I was looking at a house or looking at any property I don't know if I want to be told it had a bad history or if anyone died there. What? Like, let me just like, let me live in the house or go. Well, I guess it's different. And then house what? Because you have a mortgage or you sign. I was just going to say, <laughs> you pay so much money and then regret your life. No. Yeah. Well, that, oh, that's the thing, though, because it's like if maybe if I can get like a, a month trial or something they have those little houses because if I don't want to know because if I go in knowing that something bad happened then I'm just it's going to be on my mind to look out for everything even the door creaking or the floorboards and I I need to go in there with just like a blank mind and just do what I normally do and then if, if something weird happens or if I like if I'm just getting bad vibes then I'll be like okay I don't know if I can stay here and I'm like oh yeah two but it's 20 people died here well that's why I need a 30-day trial (laughs) it's not Netflix account you can't do that it's not maybe houses should have that it just never seems to go well in the in all the movies they (laughs) they, when they buy the houses that have got the bad history it just doesn't end well well to be fair a lot of those characters are pretty stupid and they follow the noise (laughs) <laughs> yeah that too definitely that too I I mean I think my first sort of I, mean, I can't I don't even think you could seriously call it a scary or like horror movie um with a straight face but it was the others with Nicole Kidman I love that I rem- movie I remember my, my I I was quite young when I watched it and I was like thrown for a loop when, <laughs> it, I, when a the horror. twist comes out at the end yeah it's the best well <laughs> that one and Sixth Sense I believe have the best ending Oh yeah, Sixth Sense was good. Yeah, the Sixth Sense and the others. The others is an amazing, phenomenal movie, and it is a horror movie. It's very, very, very scary, but also very beautifully written. I couldn't have said it better myself, Lalig. Uh, so yes, as promised at the beginning of the episode, that is the end of part one for this one with uh, Mary and Lalig from Book Shrine Podcast. You can find them where all good podcasts are found, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, all those good places. And uh, you can also find them on social media at Bookshrine on Instagram and at thebook underscore shrine on Twitter. Uh, So go check them out in the meantime and catch the second part of their episode in two weeks time. Thank you. Bye.